0: Life's not been here. So every time I come and I tell stories, people are like, you're not really married, are you? And I was like, you know, they think I'm not married. I, I got several wives in several states. <laughs> That's how we roll, but no. Uh, and quite honestly, I'm just, she's embarrassing. That's why I don't bring her and introduce her. I mean, she just makes me look rough. And so, uh, but you know, when Brian uh, asked us to do the marriage retreat, I told all you guys that it we were asked in one week's time to do two marriage retreats. And you know what that tells me, one, we had a ladies event we couldn't do, but it tells me that God was speaking to us saying, you need to focus on your marriage. He was doing that for us. You guys need to spend time, you need to get in the Word, it's time to evaluate this again. Because you know, we've been on leukemia in our house, my daughter with cancer, that you guys have, have carried us through. Boy, speaking of Jim Boyette, you know, Jim Boyette was dying, And the last time I was here, or the last time I seen, Jim walks up to me. He's a dying man. He says, Mike, how is your daughter? Concerned about me. Concerned about uh, Josephine. What a man. Hey, while I'm on this subject, I want to show you a few pictures. It was at this church in April, almost two years ago, that I was here for the first day of the conference. And guys, I had a daughter that was so wayward. I mean, she was a young girl, but she was wayward, man. She was running, man, running from the Lord, doing her own thing. And we prayed, and I said, God, get her heart, whatever it takes, get her heart. Do it. It was the next day that she was diagnosed with cancer. We thought we were going to lose her, but uh, this is her. Uh, she gets a spinal tap, man. They put that. You ever watch somebody get that n- needle put in her spine? Some of you ladies have experienced this, and I tell, I've been there. And like I'm watching it, and they can't get it in her sometimes, and so they have to move up and three or four pokes and they finally get it it's painful to watch but this girl's been such a trooper go ahead and flip through a few of those pics and they're just sick man she's just been so sick going through a lot of therapy right now she's still got chemo now this is our picture now you can see my daughter was going into this at like 116 pounds the steroids are wrecking her man they're wrecking her, man. She's gaining massive weight and it's hard on her joints. And she just was able to go back to high school. And I'm thankful she missed a couple years because she was just so vulnerable. I'm like, God must be protecting this girl. And so uh, this is her going to school just a few weeks ago, the next pick. Her hair's coming back. And let me tell you this: her body's gotten bigger. There's no doubt about it. We can't deny that, right? I can't deny it about myself. But We can't deny that, but let me tell you what's happened on the inside of her. And her heart is so huge. She knows God has used this cancer in our lives for his glory. And let me tell you, there was weeks we, I just, you have carried us, man. That's all I want to say is we stood around the hospital bed. Here I am. I'm not only a pastor, man. I feel like I love Jesus, man. I walk with him. I talk with him all day long. I get around the the bed, we're getting ready to leave at night, and Becky would look over and say, "Mike, why don't you pray before our family has to split up at the hospital?" And there was just nights. There's nothing there. I'm spent. I have no words. I can't pray, but you prayed for us, and through those whole times, I'm just so grateful for that. And and here's the deal: I, I don't. I hate to talk. You know, uh, my uh, my job is to exalt Christ today. I never want to. Put my daughter out there. We've kept her off of Facebook and done some things like that just because we don't want to, you know, God's at work here. But I needed to to share with you guys because you guys have been the the very people that have just carried us. I don't know if you've ever been in a vulnerable spot like that. And some of you today, you need carried. Once you admit your life's a mess and you need help, And these people right here will get around you and carry you through. It's what they do. We're the church of the living God. We are the body of Christ. If we're the body of Christ, that means I'm one piece and part. And if I don't have all of it working together, it ain't going to happen. So praise the Lord for the body of Christ. I'm thankful to the Lord for HBF. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for Brian's friendship. and To get invited to do a marriage retreat, all you can think about are the times that you're like, Boy, what do I say? You know, I can think of a lot of evenings when things weren't going so well. I think of times when my wife didn't want to put up with me any longer, the nights that she didn't want to sleep with me. I remember those nights. And uh, and then to be able to stand here, I guess I just want to... That's my wife, Becky, and she's the most faithful woman on the planet. She's nasty. Yeah. I mean... Hey, she's sweet and she looks pretty, but let me tell you something. She's she's nasty. She's mean. I'm not joking. I'm not joking with you. And those of you that are married are thinking, I know it. But <laughs> as soon as Josie got cancer, like, we're, we're, we meet with the doctor, and the doctor's like, okay, guys, you're in it for the long haul. This is going to be a couple-year process, two-and-a-half-year process to get rid of this kind of cancer in your daughter's blood. And I remember uh, we just immediately looked at each other and, Doctor's like, I don't know how you're going to make it, but we need to set up. So they're going to bring in some counselor to help us. I was like, oh, no, she's going to quit her job. And the doctor's like, hey, no, no, don't do anything extreme like that. I'm like, we will totally do something extreme like that. This is our daughter at stake. And if we have to sell our home, you know, it's not like I haven't slept in a vehicle before. We'll make this thing work. Somehow. And Becky, without hesitation, she said, that's the role I'm going to take. And guys, I can't stay in the hospital. I don't do well up there. No joke this was before COVID. So I was able to walk around the hospital. I, we, I would, I'd just go room to room. That's what we'd do. Meet all the nurses, go out there. If Sunday, sometimes I had my guitar up there. I'm just like, hey, we're gonna have church out in the hallway at the oncology department here at the hospital. And that's just how I would roll. And then man, COVID hit, lockdown, you couldn't go out of the room. I, I went insane. Like I can't do it. And Becky, she was built for it, man. That girl's built for war. No doubt about it, and uh, I'm the best thing that's ever happened to her. That's just the bottom line. <laughs> hey, l- let me roll. Now, this marriage retreat has been good for us. Um, I hope this morning I want to have fun in God's Word. I do. I want to enjoy God's Word. I want to enjoy His presence. And uh, and I know, um, you know, and you know, Jim just passed away. That dude's been struggling, you know. And but, but guess what? We're not here for Jim Boyette. Man, we're here for Jesus Christ. And Jim would want it that way. If we'd do him a dishonor, we'd do our Savior a dishonor if we didn't lift him up and exalt him. The only thing that makes Jim Boyette so beautiful is the Jesus Christ that was inside of Jim Boyette. Same thing with you and me. There's no good in this man except the good one that planted himself inside of my heart. Wow, Matthew chapter 11. Um, I just want to read this verse as we go into our message because I didn't finish up the marriage retreat real well, so I'm going to try to do it today. So uh, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus says, um, hey, take, take my, well, verse 28, we better go there. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, this marriage retreat, how, how, here's what we did. I got in the Bible. Well, here's, what the first, here's how preachers work. I've been doing this long enough that I'm like, oh, marriage retreat. I pull up my marriage folder. I got a wedding folder, a marriage folder, all the messages I preach on marriage. So I go through Genesis 1, 2, 3. I go to 1 Corinthians 7. I'm in Matthew 19 looking at what divorce looks like in the Bible. I go to um, Ephesians 5. And so then I look at all my messages that I have on this. And I, I, I can't, I don't read well off a computer screen. So um, I print it all out. And then I print it out and I'm just, I'm chucking papers. now i was like man lord i don't know what to do because you always want something new and fresh it's the curse of me uh, what is it, the epicureans there in the book of acts they always want something new that, and i was just like man i totally get that i get bored easy that's why I, like, i remember back in the 80s there's certain groups that people liked and i was just like you know the only thing i don't like about that guy the only thing i don't like about that group is every song sounds the same it drives me insane and so that's how i was feeling going to the marriage retreat so I took the word marriage, marry, espoused, and I ran it through the Bible. Every time it appears, every time. And then I took just a blank page of paper and it just kept leading me different places, husband, wife. Finally, it led me to a passage. It led me to a passage in 2 Corinthians 6:14. You can turn there if you'd like to. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. And it says this. Um be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Guys, I don't know why I've never done this, but it clearly says here, you know what a yoke is, right? You know, you got, it's old school, um, you know, pre farm like equipment and modern machinery. You take two ox together and they, take this yoke and it it just partners them together, right? Both their heads are, and don't think of a stock. Think of, you know, I think of getting in trouble, getting busted and I'm in town square, you know. No, that's not it. This is two people together and you're yoked together for the purpose of plowing, for the purpose of God's work. So the Bible speaks of this, but I guess I wanted to bring up a point as as we enter into this marriage message today, um, that Jesus Christ says, all of you that are just so, burdened. You're laden. There's heaviness. You know you know how life is. It's so busy, 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 and you can't catch your breath. And sin has just wore us to pieces. I'm very fragmented. And the Lord just says, here's what I want you to do. Come unto me. Mike, sin is, you've bound yourself to sin. And it is just flat wearing you out. And he says, so bring those burdens to me. And he says, take my yoke upon you. He, and there's still a burden. There's still work. But he just says, it's light. It's easy. And several times there, he uses the word rest. R- rest. Let's, so Jesus calls us into a relationship with him. So like at the beginning of the Bible, before Adam and Eve were a couple, Adam was yoked. He was in a relationship with the creator of the universe. That's how it was supposed to be, right? Then his wife came along, right? And then God had a job for them on planet Earth. We know how the story unfolds. But I guess I just want to make this point before I jump in here, is that I know it's difficult, but the only thing that's going to get you through if you're yoked with a knucklehead or if you're yoked with a very difficult woman, and they are out there, just read the book of proverbs man i know doctrine that's speaking of a religious system as every time it addresses that woman but i can't help but think i'm like yeah that's right i think of every hurricane on the planet man that's i've got a woman's name on it because she will tear you up man and she'll take you to the cleaners every time you know but the bottom line is the yoke that we if i have a yoke with christ you know, and then me and my wife get together and we get yoked together. And my wife, guys, listen, I will not stand up here and give her credit for my life being so awesome. I notice weenie guys do that. Do you notice that? It's true, isn't it? Guys give testimonies in church and some guys will stand up and say, man, I'd, I'd not be the man, you know. <clears throat> if it wasn't for that lady right there, I'm like, she didn't die for your sins. For the love of Pete, man, come on. It's Jesus. Now, Jesus does exist in her. I had a serious issue and problems in my life. God used that woman right there to help me. No joke. She pointed me to Jesus Christ. Here, let me just say the point that way I can get to the message. The point is this. Anne Boyette is not alone. She's yoked to the Savior, man. Jim wasn't her Savior. No, she's gonna struggle. She'll be lonely. She'll cry she'll be depressed. And hey, hopefully us as a body can help her and get her through it and encourage her and support her. But I got news for you. Probably like never before, Anne's gonna be giving testimonies here in the weeks and the months to come and say, were it not for Christ, I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't make it another day without Jesus. Me and my wife's been, uh, there's an old song that I used to like years ago and it's just called, were it not for grace? Grace. I would tell you where I would be. I would be wandering down a pointless road to nowhere. My salvation would be up to me and it wouldn't be good. I know how that would go and the problems I would face. I know it. I would be forever running and losing this race were it not for grace. This is Anne's testimony this morning. So let's give glory to Jesus Christ. He's the foundation in our life, isn't it? Sometimes we say those things like, my wife is my rock. Oh, geez, dude, be a little bit more biblical than that. Jesus Christ is my rock. And I'm yoked together with her. And guess what? You know what makes us so tight? Because Jesus Christ is her rock. We're both infatuated with the same thing. We're both addicted to the same thing. That's what makes us come together. You know, we teach that marriage counselor, right? That's why she's following Christ, I'm following Christ. We want the same thing. Then you yoke us together. Watch out, here we come. We're gonna plow fields for Jesus, amen? Okay, in the marriage retreat, I started studying this, be not unequally yoked. The Bible says you can't yoke an ox and an ass together because they don't plow together. They're different, And, and so... And the ass would picture a lost person. So you got to have the same mindset for sure. So we as Christians, I think, are compared to like two oxen pulling. See, our marriage is like a team. So there's eight things that I believe the Bible says about oxen, about oxen that will help us in our marriage. And we went through six of them. Today, I want to hit the last two in our message um, today. So, and there's, that timer's 30 minutes, right? That's how that works. Just shut the mic down. That's what you got to do. Just shut me down. So uh, so here, here's what we learn. At a marriage retreat, we usually focus on our marriage. We usually look at each other, look into each other's eyes, and we ask each other all the questions. And, you know, and so we just said, man, we need some marital maintenance, right? Marriage is work. That's what every marriage retreat I've been to ever focuses on. Then I get into God's word, and he just says, ah, marriage is really, you're like two ox. You're supposed to be plowing fields for Jesus. There's follow ground out there, right? There's a field of souls. Jesus said the fields are wide into harvest. There's people out there that are struggling and need a savior, and you're the one going to take it to them. Me and Becky, that's our job together. We're supposed to do that together. And I'll tell you, our problems get smaller when we work for something bigger. And so it's not that marriage is work, even though we would all say, boy, it is, it's difficult, is it? Marriage is for work. It's for the work of Christ. And if we would get busy about that, everything else would just get very much put into perspective, kind of what cancer did in our home, put everything into perspective. Uh, there's a lot of things that happened. Man, I, I had this Toyota Highlander, and I really liked it. It was an older one, but it's a heavy-duty vehicle. It can pull. It's very good off a road. All this stuff about it I just thought was pretty sexy. And uh, so we got it. You know, as soon as cancer hit, you know what I was like? The car's gone. I don't care about that car. Because we were still making payments on it. I can't afford a car payment going through cancer. It's done. It's out. That's just how we had to do it. Done. My wife's job. Done. Don't care. I mean, you're going to need some money. Don't need money. I had wealthy people. I had a wealthy guy, a super wealthy guy, call me at the hospital and say, hey, Mike, what do you need? Seriously, talk to me about money. What do you need? I was like, dude, $10 million couldn't fix this right now. My daughter's struggling in this bed. They're feeding us out of the cafeteria. I mean that. If I needed money, I'd let you know, but two or three million dollars wouldn't help me. Now, just to let you know, when this cancer thing gets over, <laughs> maybe then we could talk some business, you know? But uh, it just puts it in perspective. So, man, work for Jesus. That's what matters. That's what matters. And let me tell you, women, what you really need is, I know you want more of your husband's attention, and sometimes he ain't giving it. You need more of Jesus, and your husband needs more of Jesus, man. And I'll tell you, if you get that relationship going better, all of a sudden then, the, the issues and the problems you have, just they just slowly fade away. Don't you like that old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world, they just grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's so true, isn't it? Marriage is for work. So let me give you eight things about oxen, two I'm going to preach on. So the first one, this is review for marriage retreaters. One, is oxen, it's for work. They're for increase. Proverbs 14, 4, if you want to turn there, you don't have to, but it just says, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. When you don't have any oxen in the barn, guess what? There's no manure in there, right? And so, but it says, but much increase is done by the strength of the ox. If you want increase, then you're going to have crap. It comes with it. It's like getting a cat, right? Especially if he's going to be indoor. You want a cat? You got a litter box. It's just how it works. Are you willing to deal with that? Because if not, don't get a cat, right? Or kick him outside. That's what you do. I got a neighbor that has an outside cat. He puts a litter box and food inside of his house. His cat only comes to his door just to go to the bathroom. Like that is the most silly, ridiculous thing I've ever heard in all my life. But that's what we do here in this country, right? Disney's ruined all of us. We think animals are humans and they can talk and understand and uh, just crazy. You need to get around a good farmer now and then you know he'll tell you no there's a purpose here it's this this guy's a utility is what he is i love my dog but he's a utility you know and then get out of the way we're like why would you kick your dog well because he's a dog that's why and if you ain't never caught a rabbit you ain't no friend of mine you don't have no purpose so oxen are for work so just remember the first principle let's get to work for jesus Number two, oxen know their owner. That's what Isaiah 1.3 says. The oxen knows who his owner is. And folks, we've been bought with a price. Guys, my wife's not a slave to me. I don't own her. Now, I know the Bible talks in 1 Corinthians 7. It uses language that like my body's not my own. It's hers. Her body's not her own. It's, I get that. I understand that. I, I get, but Jesus paid a price for her soul and for her life. And so there's one man that my wife is in love with more than me, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's one that I am in love with, that I have a deeper relationship, that, and it's Christ. So I just want you to know the oxen knows their owners. So therefore, when you have to ladies, if you have to submit to a difficult husband, the only way to get through that is just like, Jesus, you told me to do this, and you're my owner. See your perspective changes because you're not doing it for this meathead. You're doing it for your king. You're doing it for your savior. You're doing it for the lover of your soul. And guys, same thing. We're supposed to love our wives. Like, how do you love something like this? And, and God calls our number, doesn't he? God got gets our number on this because all, all the time that we think, uh, you know, like, man, I can't love her. Well, the Bible tells you to love her. I can't love her. And, and And then Jesus comes along and just says, you know, you can always love people that love you, but try this one on Jesus says, Love your enemies. Oh my gosh! See, you can't lose. You have to love her, even if you think she's your enemy. Jesus says, "Love her," and boy, little do we know that's the two by four. It'll crush all the difficulties and problems. Oxen know their owner. That's the second thing. The third thing is that Proverbs fourteen four. If you're there, if not, just listen to it because this is not this is the the intro. Ready? It says, "Where no oxen are." the crib is clean or the mike lake version of that is where oxen are there's a lot of messes there's manure cuz that's what they do that's just how they exist right so you know the third point about oxen and marriage is oxen are messy man they're messy but you know before farm equipment you know what people thought of the ox they lo- farmer said man this is that was his tool man you know and, and, and oxen are harvest animals they plow fields follow ground they, they do all that stuff they do the heavy work harvest time you get the big wagon get two oxen they pull the wagon and they load up all that heavy weight oxen were made for work oxen in all kinds of cultures would be prosperity they would be they're known for strength right and i I had a guy, I was talking to a pastor about this, some of the things God showed me. He goes, Mike, actually, oxen in the Bible are really to serve. The proper thing is for them to be their servants. You know, the gospel of Mark compares to the oxen, the four faces of the cherubim. And he's working all this sexy theological stuff for me. And I got done, i was just like, that's funny because Jesus said the greatest leader of all is the, the, the best leader of all is the greatest servant. The strongest you can be is to serve strongest husband i can be is when i serve that woman is when she knows that she don't have to look elsewhere i don't have to look elsewhere she loves me we're yoked together but in the midst of all this it's messy right so guys just deal with it because in our crib at home it gets messy it gets real messy and we live life and and we talk these things out, and you hate to talk about them. And I'm not talking about physical mess, even though some of you have that, and you need to clean that up a little bit. Because I'll tell you what farmers do. They always pull the manure out of the barn. You can't have too much of it in there. And why? It belongs where? Onto the field you're plowing for fertilizer. God uses the mess. But some of us just sit in our mess. Some of our wives look at our mess and just say, man, you need to change. And they're nagging us and telling us all this No, we need to take this mess and use it for God's glory. I know it's messy. I don't like this, but guys, we gotta be honest. Oxen are messy, amen? Amen. Oxen are just, and I'm not talking about toothpaste on the mirror, I'm not talking about your underwear on the floor, even though that can be messy too. No, I'm just talking about issues of the heart, dealing with life. Man, I came into this world a sinner. My wife came into this world a sinner. And then we're gonna come together. That's why the Bible says when a man is born in the book of Job, sparks fly upwards. Then we come together, what happens then? Oh, my gosh, I used to pour concrete for a living and tie rebar and all So I got my saw out. I remember one day I'm like, Z-Z-Z. I'm working that thing, cutting a, just a big chunk of rebar off into certain lengths. Little did I know these sparks were flying back on my leg. My, I just wasn't paying attention. I'm just cutting and cutting. And all of a sudden I went to walk away and I'm like, so, man, I burnt through all my boot laces. I don't know why I didn't feel this. Fl-. burnt through all of them. I'm just like, my gosh, isn't this like life? Born into this life, the sparks fly upward and nothing's fitting. You're burning the house down. You know, that's what coming to, oxen are messy. We need to recognize that. Some of you won't recognize that. That's what makes you so gross. Is you're like a Pharisee. You come in and you know, and you, you got the nice clothes on. But guys, underneath this, I'm just telling you, there's, there's a, like a little chubby boy up here. I know you're looking thinking, man, he looks very good today. He looks very sharp. But you've not seen me naked, man. <laughs> it, it's not like it used to be. It's, it, it's actually quite messy. But what we try to do is cover up the messes when sometimes the best thing to do, guys, I was humiliated this past year because I had a doctor, you know, I, I've been, man, I've got all kinds of health issues myself. I'm like, this is nuts. The doctor's wanting me to do this, do that. And I get to the doctor and I said, doc, I'm having an issue here. Here's the issue. And I tell it to him and he goes, I tell you what I need you to do. He goes, drop your britches, and he goes, put on this gown, I'll come back, and I'm going to examine you. And I was like, uh, I've always known my wife like, went to these things she called annual exams. I'm just like, man, I have failed every exam I've ever taken. I am not going there where somebody like, we want to test you. I'm sorry, I don't like tests. I'm not going to do that. And he said, no serious business, do it. I said, no, I tell you what, and I knew this guy. We were on a board of a YMCA, the board of directors. We were on it together. So I like know him. I said, "Doc, why don't you just give me one of those referrals to like a doctor that I don't know?" And uh, you know what he told me? He says, "Mike, you need to humble yourself. Just drop your britches. Let me take a gander." I was just, "Oh my gosh!" I said, "You know, I have read about the expeditions of Lewis and Clark." I said, "I am not comfortable with anybody doing a search on my cave, man." I don't need it. And but you know what I did, guys? He talked me, talked me, talked me, and I finally like, okay, I gotta do this thing. And I humbled myself. It was embarrassing. It didn't last long. And you know when I got done what he said, he goes, Mike, you're perfectly fine. I said, You mean I just went through all that for nothing? <laughs> it was like weird. I was like, This is strange. You know. But it's just messy. And if we'd humble ourselves and say, it's messy, I got some issues, bend over, okay, (laughs) done. Hey, besides oxen being messy, oxen are dangerous. You know what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 21, verse 28? If you got an oxen and he, he accidentally, he'll gore a dude and kill him, then you need to kill your oxen. See, oxen are big, they're massive. And some of you, you know, that have cattle, we have a couple guys in our church that have cattle, one guy does show, and even these pretty show cattle, they're massive, like they can hurt you. And so, and I'm terrified, I've never grown up around farm animals, serious business. I I would rather be naked and have to walk downtown Chicago all night long before I'd have to go in there and somebody would just say, hey, go in there and feed these cattle. This cattle's going to give birth, give us a hand. No, thank you. You know, I'd rather take my chances, you know, seriously. That's just how, I go in this barn, I'm scared of the. and he said, Mike, they can hurt you. Don't go near that one. She has had a calf and she is a little bit, she'll hurt you. And he says, she's touching me in there, you know, so they're dangerous. And guys, we're dangerous. We are dangerous people. Our words, life and death are in the power of the tongue. I've said so many things to hurt her. Now, if some of you ladies in the room, some of the things I said to my wife, if I just looked at you and said those things, you don't know me very well. You'd be like, who's this cat? Who does he think he is? Sometimes it's nice at the church because sometimes people have opinions about the way things are operating or they're not happy about something. And it takes, it's like pure pleasure, especially if people don't invest in our church. They don't give their time. They don't give their energy. They don't give their money. And then they come up and want to tell me something wrong. You know, it, I take pure pleasure in just saying, you know, let me just be real truthful with you. How about I don't care what you think? <laughs> have a good day. And they usually go find another church. And then we like, let's pray for that pastor because he's in trouble, man. We're dangerous people. And in our marriages, the people we love the most, the reason it hurts so much and we're so dangerous is we know each other and we can say things. I know her hot buttons and she knows mine. We push them, you know, and it hurts. We got to be careful of that, just knowing that we can be dangerous people. Uh, The last two uh, in review is oxen sometimes fall into pits. The Bible says that in Exodus 21. Jesus even says that, well, when an oxen falls into a pit and it's a Sabbath day, you know, what are you gonna do about that? You know, because they're like, you know, the Pharisees. They're just like, man, we don't do any work on the Sabbath day. (laughs) That's nuts, isn't it? People are so ridiculous. Dudes in a pit. I had a lady in our church. This was just happened this year. And she just said, hey, I noticed so-and-so wasn't here. And I said, yeah. And she goes, Mike, she's struggling. And she says, uh, the, the music just ended. And she goes, I'm going to go ahead and leave church and go to her house. And I said, well, you know, why don't, why don't you go after church? You know, be at church with us and then go see her. And she goes, because, man, the Lord's laying this lady heavy on my heart. I feel like something might be wrong. And, guys, I was, as a pastor, you know I was fighting this? My gosh, man, COVID's here. Hardly anybody's coming to church. It's depressing preaching to a few people, man. I wanted to ruin it was totally just selfish, man. It was like, I want people in church, you know? And even though I don't count numbers in my mind, I do, you know? And sometimes if I look cross-eyed up here, I'm crossing my eyes because you get blurry. I'm like, man, this is a huge crowd today. You know, it all comes together. Don't you do that with Christmas lights? I've done it my whole life. You know, cross your eyes, looking at your Christmas tree. I'm like, man, it's beautiful, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> the only thing that's better than that is doing it with a packet of Kool-Aid. Do you ever do that as a kid? We used to go to the open pantry and steal packets of Kool Aid, even though they were like ten cents. We'd steal those things and go back and and we guys we, we were totally sober, like we're, we're like this is pre junior high, not doing drugs. We well, kind of. Some of my buddies were messing around a little bit. We, we'd put Woody Woodpecker on the TV, turn the volume down, and he'd be you know ah, 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 he just his mouth moves the whole time, and then we'd crank up some eighties metal as loud as we could we'd open these packet of kool-aids up and and it ain't the kind you get in the can today it's got just dumping in add water this is the stuff that says dump it in the thing add a couple sugar then add water we'd open them packs up get our fingers all purpley and red it was so sour people like these sour patch today so what we did i had a couple girls from our church come over not too long ago and i got a so we need a packet of kool-aid so, Because you like them sour patches, you're going to really like this. We'd watch Woody Woodpecker. He looked like he was singing those songs. blah. blah, 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 blah. It was going, we're just eating sour candy, man. Mm-mm. I go home, I said, blue and red fingers, you know. I don't know how I got onto the Kool-Aid story. But sometimes oxen just fall into pits. That's the point. Oxens fall into pits. They need help getting out. So guys, sometimes our marriages just do that. And I don't know, it's not on purpose. Nobody on purpose just says, you know what? I think in a couple weeks, I think I'm just going to have an affair. I'm going to uh, spend some time with another woman. And I think then I'm going to get another apartment. And I think I'm just going to look at my kids and say, Kids, your dad's out of here. This is how this thing's. Nobody plans those things. You'd have to be pretty demented to plan those type of things. But when life happens, you ever find yourself in a pit? It happens all the time. It still happens to me. You get to a spot in your life, I'm like, How did I get here? You're in a pit. Some of our marriages, we've seen oxen just go into pits. Matter of fact, here's what the Bible says. Two are better than one, for if one fall, there's another one there to pick you up out. You don't find very uh, husband and wife usually in the pit at the same time, usually the way God sets that up. So anyways, maybe your marriage is in a pit and uh, we talk about the Lord, it's full of pity. God is compassionate, man. Sometimes, I, I know as a Christian man or as a pastor, sometimes you just feel this big when you get yourself into a pit. And sometimes it was just, I'm like, how did I get here? I am in a pit. I've developed habits in my life or something that this ain't a good spot to be. And you just feel this big. But you know what the Lord does? So why do we got this view of the Lord? Like the Lord's going to go by and walk over the pit and use your head to step over it so he don't fall in. <laughs> He's not operating that way. You know what he has? He comes over and he has pity. He looks down in the midst of failure and difficulty. He's full of compassion. You know what the book of Psalms says, that God is so full of compassion, and it says he knows that we are just flesh. Guys, he loves us. Oh, he'll whip us. He'll, He'll do discipline for us. I get all that. But sometimes we fall in a pit. The last one, well, the last one. There's eight total. Here's number six. Exodus 23, 4 says, if you see your enemy's ox go astray, you help him get it back home oxen go astray don't our marriages just do that we just go astray we just wander off it happens so easily you know and I don't know why I'm a pretty observant guy but one thing I've never been good at in a big crowded parking lot I don't know why I don't find my car real good Becky's like great at it and I don't I don't know why maybe it's experience of shopping all the time I don't know but uh i'm not very good at that and sometimes you just find your, and now it's cool because all the cars got buttons you know you boop, 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 boop. becky's like somebody's breaking in a car i'm like no i'm just trying to find mine <laughs> there she is you know sometimes you just go astray and so guys i, I hope that encouraged you this weekend just to know because i had two couples talk to me and these are couples that are in ministry they love jesus they got fruit in their life they're incredible And they were both like thinking, we needed to get out of ministry because we've been fighting a lot lately. Things ain't good. I love hearing those stories like that. I'm just like, no, 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 no. Your marriage is made for. You were built for this. You want to pull out of ministry? It's like me and my wife fighting. So I'm going to pull out of ministry. So what? Now we got more time to fight. This is not good. At least we got something we can pull together and work towards because it ain't going so good. So um, let me give you the last two and we'll get out of here. Here's number seven. Guys, oxen, and we're, now context is our marriage. Oxen need rewarded. They need rewarded. You know, me and my wife have two different, like, styles of training, like dogs. We've had several of them through the years of our marriage. We've been together 35 years, married 31, you know. And so, yeah, woo-hoo, woo-hoo woo! And, uh. Sorry, I got distracted by that. Um, What was I saying? Help me, Beck. Oh, Becky's like syrupy. And she talks to him and sweets him up. And I'm just, I tend to be like, what in the world? What are you doing? The cat's hanging from the fish aquarium. What do you do? You whack him off of there. He's got to learn his lesson, you know. And the girls are usually lean towards No, no like it was cute watching him hang on the aquarium you know front that's ridiculous you know so but oxen need rewarded my wife taught me this because I was beating our dog frequently when it was a puppy and uh you know it's pretty bad you walk into the living room the dog's like he goes I don't I was like it's a female dog that's why it don't like me that was a male dog we'd be partners right No. But Becky would sweeten that dog up, and she was so good at training that them dogs, especially to go to the bathroom outside. And the Bible says this about oxen. One of the famous verses in the Bible, it mentions, I think, three times, do not muzzle an ox that's treading out the corn, an oxen that's working. And you'll see pictures of old-timers sometimes taking like a feed bag of some sort. But here's what I like. If you want to take your Bibles and go to First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18, I'll show you where I got this principle from. Um. 1 Timothy chapter 5, and in verse 18, it says, For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. See, what that feedback can do is just a little bit of reward to say, Keep going. We're not done yet. It's okay. And so, I guess in a marriage, As me and Becky are pulling and we're comparing this to two oxen we're pulling together, guys, I don't know why. It's so, it's the weirdest thing. Little compliments can go such a long way. You know, and and even when the meal's bad, you know, can't you come up with something like, man, well, this is nice and hot. wow, or I think I need to microwave this a little bit. She goes, it was just boiling in the pot. What do you mean you need to microwave it? I'm just delaying the painful process here. Jeez. But we can come up with something to reward. She can reward me. These rewards can look like so many different things, but, and you know, people, uh, uh, you know, you just, uh, here's what I think of. Oxen need rewarded. There's somebody wiping babies' bottoms right now as we're in here enjoying ourselves. That's just how it is. Somebody's over there doing that. Some of you you're so relieved right now just to be away from your children for just an hour and a half isn't this wonderful? Well there's other people over there paying a price for it, you know. It's just true. When you grab toilet paper in there, somebody put that roll in there, somebody bought it. It's just how it works. And all I just think so many people, people at the sound booth back there, everybody up here playing an instrument, somebody set this chair right here, somebody ran the vacuum under, all those little things. And you guys, them are jobs that never get attention. It's the uncomely members. And as a church and as married partners, we just need to take the time a little bit more just to say, and you really look good in that. Now, I don't think you have to lie. And it's hard because as men, what do you do? What do you do when they come up and just say, what do you think? And you're trying desperately to figure out what. And and usually I got girls in my house. So usually I'm like, somebody got a haircut. I got to figure this thing out. So I have, I figured it out over the years. So now I'll walk into church and even in our youth group, I walked in the other night and there's our youth group going to take place. And I said, man, Flora, I said, you got a new wig. And she said, she laughed. And I was like, yeah, you got your haircut, man. You got bang. I said, you look really, and she goes, I can't believe you noticed. I said, I got a house of women. And I do notice. And your hair absolutely looks stunning. I wanted her to know that. Because her parents don't come to church. That poor girl, she comes all by herself, man. I wanted her to know that we love her. We care for her. And I want to compliment her. She needs reward, and She needs to hear that a little bit more often. Because she's going to hear it from 16-year-old boys that don't really care about her haircut. Right? render unto the wife due benevolence that's what first corinthians 7 says there is honor that's due my wife and guys i don't want to be one of those men hey i want to introduce you to my better half you know people say that all the time yeah i'd like you to meet my bride you know people That's just I, I know they do that but sometimes it don't mean anything after a while but sometimes just say man this is this is fantastic what you've done here is great but little compliments. see it's just little rewards Guys, some of us do better when we go fishing than we do with our spouse. You ever pull in a bass? Bam, you pull it in, and you're like, oh my gosh, he swallowed this thing deep. And I find myself sitting on the boat holding this thing. Sometimes I have to get the needle nose out, and I'm just like, I start talking to him. Man, I'm sorry, partner here. I'm going to do a little surgery. I'm going to try to be gentle with you. I'm talking to this fish, you're know, like, oh. And then you start tugging and you start seeing blood. And you're like, oh my gosh. I'm sport fishing here. I'm not catching to eat this thing. I just enjoyed the journey. He's not having fun, and so I'm just sweetening him the whole time, and guys, I've kissed fish before, and sometimes you ever take him and put him down in the water on the boat, and before you release him, you just kind of run the water through him a little bit, and then you're, and then, like you're gently letting him man, I hope he makes it. Then I' go home and don't say nothing. That's crazy, yeah, that's how sometimes we do it. The whole point, I think, here is, you know, the Love Languages book? That's a great book. Everybody should read it. Everybody should read it. It's not just for married couples, but everybody has a love language. And we all got a love jug inside. What's my What fills my wife's jug? What fills her love jug, you know? What fills mine? She needs to know it. I need to know it about her. And uh, I don't have time to show you what the five things are because of time right now, but learn what they are. It's called the five love languages. It's just simple. I'm not saying it's like, theological and biblical and but it is because the bible says you should know your wife so yet learn these things and know what fills her tank some things don't fill her up and some things do and it's the same with me and so she needs to know that and if we keep each other filled because sometimes we just get on empty guys oxen need rewarded my wife needs rewarded you know what some of you need to do especially if you're a wife in your home right now You're not working maybe because you have children and you just, you know how it is. You add up daycare and the cost, you're just like, why am I gonna send my kids away to make a buck fifty an hour? I might as well stay home and train my children, right? Sounds old-fashioned, don't it? That's more biblical than old-fashioned. It works today. But if you're one of those women that do that, and I'm sorry for some of you women that say, we can't pull that off right now. Well, then get a trailer and sell the house and sell the van and you can make it. But when you go through this process, I think what you need to do is if your wife's at home and you're contributing and you're struggling with the bills, a good wife bears some responsibility there and says, I feel bad, like I'm doing nothing. I'm like, doing nothing? You're doing everything I can't do. I'd kill these kids. That's what I would do. I'd be in prison today. <laughs> so we're working the thing. And so you know what every once in a while would happen is I would get some money. Like I would speak somewhere, somebody would give me some money or I'd do a side job and get some cash. I mean, you ever thought about rewarding your wife? Because she don't get like a monetary paycheck. She's waiting on the day where her children might call her blessed, where people would say, man, what a beautiful lady that fears the Lord. Until those days, I think sometimes maybe as a husband, the best thing you can do is just say, here, go blow this. That might be the reward. I don't know what the reward is. And, and, And the reward can be, I think, romance too. That can all be part of it. Well, the problem is though, if a guy figures that out, then every time he does something nice, you know what she's thinking. Right, you're either drunk or you want my love, you know? And uh, so be careful of that because guys are very manipulative, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. So, um, okay, oxen need rewarded. And so, hey, people do too. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. Guys, go out there. You you want to see somebody light up? You go over there and you're walking in the hallway and you see some girl with the ratty hair. looks like a, a rat's nest. You know, she comes out of the room. She's just so happy to be at church Guys, you don't always have to tell her that her hair looks beautiful, especially if it doesn't look beautiful. You don't have to lie to her. But can you not find something and just say, hey, Teresa, we're so glad you're here. Every time I see you, man, you make me smile. And you'll watch that little girl light up. You know why? Because oxen need rewarded, don't we? Put the feed bag on. Come on. Whatever it takes. Here's the last one, and I'm done. Oxen. Need rest. When you study oxen in the Bible, in Exodus 23, it says, And on the Sabbath day, don't let your oxen plow. It's against the law. Don't do it. Deuteronomy 5, same thing. There's no work on the Sabbath. And you say, Well, if I'm not working, I'm not going to make my oxen work. Yeah. So I just want you to know that oxen need rest. So some of your marriages, now, who's the first person that rests in the Bible? Oh, yeah, he created, he worked, what, six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. Hey, if God needs rest, and I I know that's theological. Some people are like, you're saying God needs rest? No, I know God don't sleep or slumber. I get it. But it does say that he rested. Would that not tell you that God says there's a time where you back away from work and you rest? So when we're plowing together in ministry and uh, doing our thing and we're just so busy, Guys, sometimes it's important for oxen to have a time to catch their breath. And I always say, quit looking at your watch. That's what we do. We look at our watch and the time, and we're so busy. This is a season we're just busy, and you're like, oh my gosh, we gotta get to bed. And I'd like to do that. I'd say, Hey Becky you wanna watch a movie? She's like, Man, I gotta get to bed. I gotta get up in the morning. I'm like, Oh geez, what's that have to do with it? I don't got don't make no sense to me. I'll literally say at nighttime, I'll say, Hey, you want some Doritos? And she'll look at me and she'll say, I just brushed my teeth. What does that have to do with it? And she'll eat with me sometimes, and brush your teeth the second time. I'm just like, if just straighten this thing up. Don't brush your teeth before bed. <laughs> Seriously, it works. Not brush them in the morning though. The issue I think is making sure you're not doing living life by like a watch, but the same size another instrument is called a compass, and it shows you where true north is. So instead of looking at the time, man, we don't have time for this, but. Because you're off of true north, you need to make the time. This is why Jesus Christ shows us this one too. I love the principle where Jesus Christ, it says he left the 99 to save the one. Because sometimes that one goes astray. And some of you in your marriages, some of you wives and some of you husbands, you know what you need to do? She is working her tail off. And if you're both working full-time jobs and you really expect her to cook every meal... You expect her to clean all of the house? Get your underwear scrubbed up? That's all on her? What in the world is going on? Well, I'll take care of the grass. And you're out there drinking some suds, riding in your mower out there having a good old time singing Green Acres. (laughs) Come on, man. It don't work that way. No, I take care of the garage. (laughs) Great. Yeah, now if there's a problem or there's... I get it. But no... She needs some rest. Sometimes you need some rest. So sometimes when I see that my wife needs rest, and I'm not great at this, what you do is I've got 99 things to do today. I got 99 things that need done. It would mean more to her and show her that I love her if I take those 99 things and I kick them through the goalpost of life and I go get her so she can rest And we can bring her back home. She can bring me back home. There's just times that you just need to say, it's time to relax. You ever notice some of those key words in the Bible like restoration? Restore? What do they start with? Rest. We need rest. Our marriages, some of us need rest. But remember, Johnny don't get rest if Johnny don't work. That's what the Bible says. Right? Come on, Harold. Listen to me, Susan. You're married. You want every night to be. Let's hold hands. Let's take a walk. Let's lick suckers together. You know, let's, let's just have fun. And you live every night like it's some romantic, you know, rendezvous together. And yet, you know, if a man don't work, the Bible says that man should not get to eat. And some of us, all we do is live for rest and the romance, and we watch the shows, and we believe it. Like, we believe that stuff. We watch these shows, and are like, man, our marriage needs to be like that, doesn't it? That's Hollywood. That Matter of fact, that actor, he's been divorced three times. Don't believe that one bit. Get to work for Jesus. And when you get the rest, boy, will you enjoy it. And you rest because you need to get back to work, Right? You ever like be in a hurry somewhere and you're like, oh my gosh, and you're in a hurry, you're trying to get there and all of a sudden, bing, you look down and you're like, oh my gosh, the gas light's on. I'm late already and the gas light's on. And then you try to play this game, what do I do? Do I step on the gas and run and get there, just take my chances, I think I can do it, or do you like, I gotta stop? And I'll tell you, you'd just be so much better off if you pull into the gas station. <sighs> just rest. It'd be like eating three meals a day and never going to the rest room. You know what that leads to? You poop your pants, man. That's what happens. That's exactly what happens. You got to go to the restroom. That's the processing time where you're digesting and you're getting rid of the bad. That's what rest is for. You get, and I'm, I probably shouldn't say poop in church. You dung yourself everywhere you know (laughs) um there's eight things that oxen do in the bible and i think they apply to our marriage but i want to end with an illustration that i've always i like this thing ever since i read it and you know our marriage and and they're, they're like lollipops you know and we used to do this in school like if you ever have something in our cafeteria where, what we would do is a guy would buy like a milkshake in our cafeteria at high school. If he'd sit in and I'd be like, ooh, I'm gonna go get some fries. If he left that milkshake sit there, you know what we did? We grabbed it and I, I sucked until I got brain freeze. I handed it to him, he sucked, sucked. That dude come back, he had no milkshake. That's how it worked in our little friend group. I'm like, dude, you left it there, thank you. That was for all of us. So what they would do is if you'd get a milkshake, you had to go somewhere, I'd go somewhere. Would, oh, wait a minute. And in front of everybody, I would put my mouth on that straw and put it back down. And what I was doing is letting everybody know that I sanctified this milkshake. It's mine. And so that's exactly, if I offered everybody like a great, you know, lollipop or a sour apple blow pop, which is incredible, and everybody would take one. But if I had one and I took it and I wrapped it and I licked it, licked all over it, uh, all of a sudden, most people wouldn't want, to want that lollipop. They wouldn't be interested anymore. Why? Why? Because upon licking it, I was letting everybody know, at this time, I have sanctified the blow pop. It's mine. Because I've licked all over it. And you would honor that. Sometimes I've broke those rules when it's your own kids. I don't know why. You know, I don't mind drinking after them. I'm just like, my gosh, this is disgusting. You ever do that? Drink a pop after your kid, and you're like, I did not realize they had cookie and chip crumbs inside the can. <laughs> but we share that because we're family. We lick the lollipop, she licks, I lick, isn't this fun? And I'm not joking, man. Me, me and my dog are partners. I've licked my ice cream cone and said, Come on, partner. He'll lick it, and we just share the cone together, you know. But normally you don't do that. Normally, when you have a lollipop, you sanctify it. So listen, having licked this thing initially, I'm just confirming that it is mine now usually i continue licking it and it's not like the commercial run two you know three that's how much, no <laughs> that's not it but what you do is i go through this process of assimilating what i own see if i lick it not only will i own it because it's mine but if i keep licking it it becomes less And it goes inside of me. That's why the best thing ever, I love having a green tongue. Remember George the Animal Steel, that old wrestler? I used to like, you know, I'd get my tongue all green from the lollipop. But see, I lick it to claim ownership. But I keep licking it, and all of a sudden, true assimilation takes place. Because what happens is you lick, lick, lick till it's completely gone. But where is it? This sweet thing has become a part of me. Upon getting married, me and Becky, you know, like a lollipop and honestly the way it's supposed to work like biblically is we get married and enter a lifelong relationship and guys one lick okay you get married right and so that day like honeymoon day okay yeah no but it continues and now here we are been married 31 years together and it's like you look and just say well that's just a stick there well no you know what we are one We've been at this long enough that, man, you know how it is, sometimes you can finish each other's sentences, you're thinking what each other's thinking. That's just time to get, that's how God has intended this to be. Some of you have entered a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you know what you need to do? You're excited about it, you've got a couple licks on this thing, right? Keep after it, man. Keep walking with him. And you know what's going to happen? You're one. You don't experience it, maybe even just feel it right yet. But that's exactly how it's supposed to be. That's what the Bible says when you get married. what You receive your spouse, you leave your parents, you cleave to each other, and then you become one flesh or conceive. You have fruit together. That's what it's really all about. And so, like the lollipop, keep after it. Keep after it. and and make this a simulation process where you are one and even when it's not perfect when it's not messy take these things before the lord go to him this this morning go to him and something now listen i've made this about married because it's the marriage retreat weekend but you guys know how i started this thing when jesus said you burdened and heavy laden come unto me And you'll find rest for your soul. Jesus has wanted to yoke with you. He'll take the yoke, the bondage of your sin that led you so crazy astray. And he'll say, now, my burden, there's a burden. Because you're yoked with him. Why do you get yoked? For work. For plowing. For Jesus. For fruit. That's what you do. That's your real purpose. Marriage has a purpose. But you know, like Adam first in the garden, have your relationship with the Lord solid today. Know him walk with him. He's your savior. Ladies, listen, you won't be as disappointed in your husband if the Lord Jesus Christ is your hero. If he's the savior of your life, you won't expect Brian to be that, right? Brian, I couldn't help it this morning. I laughed my head off, man. Brian does mission work and he's been to India quite a few times. I go down his basement, and of course, you know, they're like, man, Pastor Brian, we love you. They wrote this stuff all over things, Pastor Brian, we love you, but they spelled Brian wrong. And so they called him, instead of P. Brian, we love you, it says P. Brain. (laughs) I took it into my wife, she's in the bathroom, you know, I was like, check that out. And folks, let me tell you what, if they think he's a P. Brain, I don't want to meet him, man. I don't want him to know me it would be bad you know that that was so funny <laughs> all right guys i'm i'm done and uh i think we had a good weekend thank you for just coming giving of your time spending your money to focus on your marriage cuz traditional marriage is such under attack right now they're redefining everything at the government level it's nutty isn't it it's the nuttiest, crazy thing. Let me tell you the best thing we can do. Yeah, vote against all that stuff. I'm all about doing that. Some of us don't have a voice big enough. You know what the best thing you can do? Love your wife. Walk with your Plow fields together. Train your children up in the ways of the Lord. That's what we need to do. When this thing comes crashing down and everybody don't know what they are and they got different pronouns and everything's bizarre and weird over here, they need to look over here and they need to see Mike and Becky. They need to see us together and our children. Guys, our school, we had a deal go out where the principal, it was a kind of a carnival thing and the principal's like, I need to pick four kids, four good kids to help run things and events. So I come by and I remember going to that school and I walked there and I looked at the four kids she chose. Every one of those four kids, were kids that were from our church. Oh yeah, I walked up, I was like. (laughs) It works, the Bible works. That's what we need to do. The best thing we could do is, let's Marvin Gaye and get it on. That's what we need to do. In the face of the enemy, we need to, this human relationship here, let's make it work for God's work. Amen? Amen. Let 's bow our heads together and brian i'm i 'm done brother let's bow our heads and we 'll pray and